The scripture reading today comes from Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly... ...and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. You know, have you ever been in a great storm? Have you ever experienced like a really intense storm or natural sort of wonder um, where you kind of feel the power that's out there in the natural order? Um, I grew up windsurfing, and one time in, I was in Dallas, and it was winter, and it's overcast, and it's 40 degrees, and the wind's blowing 25 to 40, depending on like where you are on the lake, and ramps are building, and there's white caps, and it's very dangerous, and whatever, and I'm out there windsurfing, and as I'm sailing across the water out in the middle of this big lake, Lake Ray Hubbard, um, I see this dark shadow come across the water, and what that means when you're sailing is there's a giant gust ahead of you. So it's already blowing 25 or 30. This is a significant gust. So I drop the sail and I do a jive and I head the other direction and there's another big dark cloud. And I was like, no matter what I do at this point, I'm going to hit this gust. And it could be a 45 or 55 mile an hour gust. So I sheeted in my sail and I put my feet in the foot straps more and I just kind of held on. And as soon as I hit that gust, it catapulted me over the sail out into the water. I've got a wetsuit on, but it's still very cold. And I lift my head and my rig's kind of floating, you know, blowing down the, the waves and I get to it. I'm fine. You know, clearly I made it, right? But um, lifted up my sail, you know, the water started and headed off. Um, I tell you that story to, to just kind of give you a little bit of a personal image of like the power of nature, the power in a storm. You know, maybe you've seen a documentary and you've seen a powerful storm or Maybe you felt the rumble of thunder in your chest, or maybe you were like me one time and thought it'd be a good idea to weather a hurricane and stay in your house, and you know what that feels like. Um, the, the power of storms makes us very quickly realize there's something that's way more powerful than us. Even just the temporary power of a storm can really kind of bring us to our knees, and we can realize, wow, we are just not all powerful. You know, the disciples are experiencing something like that in this text. They are in a boat with Jesus, there's a massive storm, and they're terrified. You know, they're kind of wondering, what's going to happen? And, and part of what I love about this text and this story of Jesus being with his disciples in the storm is just that. 
Jesus is with his disciples in the storm. He's with them there. They have to wake him. Um, I, I'm not, he must have really had a long day before teaching, uh, but he's sleeping, and they wake him, and Jesus he rises to be able to bring something calm and peace. And so the kind of three ideas I want us to think about this morning as we, we're going to walk through this together, but Jesus, and you're looking at him, and you're watching him in this story, there's something about him that's very attractive. Um, he's obviously very powerful, and we discover what it looks like for God to be attentive to us. Like what it means for Jesus to actually be attentive to us in the midst of a storm. And so, just to kind of walk back through this story, again, just see it in your mind's eye. It's so descriptive. Mark did a good job reading it. But the way that the Gospel of Mark describes this is you can kind of see it take place. Imagine it's the Middle East, right? It's dark. There's a huge sea. After a long day of teaching, Jesus gets into a boat. He's teaching, and then he says, hey, let's go to the other side. And so the disciples get in their boat, and we read there's other boats with them. They all get in these boats. They make their way across this sea. Night falls, and apparently it was nice and calm because Jesus said, hey, I'm going to take a nap. And gets up on a cushion as we read in the stern, and he's sleeping there. But before long, the wind begins to come up, and the waves begin to have white caps. And then, as is true in, in large bodies of water like this, um, the, the waves begin to slap against one another, and it creates all these big ramps and big, big water kind of around their boat to where we read the boats are actually being swamped by the water. Now, these are professional boatsmen. These guys are fishermen. They know how to handle storms, and they realize they have come up against a storm that, that it doesn't look like they know how to navigate out of it. And they have three choices at least. One is keep fighting the storm. That's not going well. They realize they're about to lose that battle. Another is they could have jumped overboard and tried to swim for it, but if you've ever been in a big body of water, that's not a good idea. And they finally come to this last idea. Let's wake up Jesus. He's been sleeping. Hopefully he's not sick or something. Like, how do you sleep through the storm? They go and they wake Jesus. And Jesus says, peace, be still. He hears them. He gets up. He says, peace, be still. He calms the storm that's around them. And then he sees into the storm of their heart, right? And he says, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? I mean, you, you woke me up for a reason, right? And here I've done this, and you are amazed. They look at Jesus, and they look at one another, and they say, who is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. Now, you see this throughout the New Testament, okay? People understand who Jesus is. They follow him, but then you watch them as they more and more discover just how powerful and good he is. This happens to Peter. It's not until Acts chapter 10 he understands the gospel for the whole world and not just his own people. It happens with Paul. It happens here with his disciples. They've seen Jesus do all sorts of things. And then this happens and they go, wait a minute. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves, the seas, the natural order obey him. So first, there's something about Jesus that's attractive. Remember, Jesus has been teaching... People have been gathering. They've been coming to hear him. It's so crowded around the shore that we read Jesus has to get into a boat to stand so that he can speak with them so he has room to teach them. People are drawn to him. You know, sometimes this isn't always true of Christians, right? Sometimes Christianity is not the most attractive thing. There's a dissonance between the Jesus we follow and sometimes the reality of living out that faith in our own lives. 
But when we look at who Jesus is and we begin to take the scriptures uh, and what their word is for on how we should think about who Jesus is, that's really what we're doing this morning. And it's good for all of us to do it, to ask ourselves, are we willing to look at Jesus for who he is presented to be as the scriptures present him? And I'm going to calibrate my understanding of who God is based on how he's revealed in the scriptures or not. Am I going to listen to the news? Or am I going to listen to other people's opinions? And how am I going to determine who God is? The scriptures are inviting us to say, hey, watch, this is who Jesus is. And what we discover is that people are drawn to him or they reject him. There doesn't seem to be a neutral response to who Jesus is. If you really understand what Jesus is saying and who he is, you either say, I'm on board or I reject it. And we have both those characters throughout the Gospel of Mark. The disciples who have decided to go with Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who have chosen not just to reject Jesus, but as we've read earlier, to destroy him. If you're following Jesus and you're thinking it's really not making a difference in my life, what I want, what I want to say to you this morning is look more closely. Look more closely at who Jesus is. He is actually attractive. He draws people in. The more you understand about the depths of his affections, the more you understand about how much he loves you, it draws you in. And yet, sometimes it's hard to live in light of that reality. That's true for everyone. You know, at times even, living out an authentic faith, following Jesus often leads to us finding ourselves in storms in dark moments of the soul, in tough situations. We've been following Jesus, just like the disciples, and we're out in the sea, and we're surrounded by a storm that we think is going to take our lives. Like, it, it, it may feel uh, sort of counterproductive at times to follow Jesus, that in following Him, it takes us into tough places. Here's what the Scriptures are reminding us of. In following Jesus, yes, we're following God's way, but in following Jesus, no matter where He leads us, He will never abandon us wherever we are, in the midst of storms, in the midst of tough situations, in the midst of living out our faith, this is the one who is with his disciples, says, peace be still to the seas, and then moves right into the storms of their heart. Psalm 44 says this. The psalmist writes, see if you see some parallels here. Awake, why are you sleeping, Lord? Rouse yourself. You heard? That's exactly what the disciples are going through. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Sometimes getting into the boat with Jesus will lead to tough places. And the disciples call out for Jesus to wake up, and he does exactly that. Psalm 92 says this, Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And the disciples get to see that firsthand, that this one that's been prophesied of from the Older Testament, right in front of them is calming the seas and sees into their hearts. Jesus is attractive if you listen to his message. He's also powerful. It's so clear. Again, these guys are professional fishermen. They know what they're doing, and they feel outmatched by the sea, outmatched by the storm. And they wake Jesus, and they say, don't you care if we die? Not, hey, Jesus, could you give us a hand? We need some help with the oars. Could you pull on the rope? Could you do? No, they're like, hey, we've done everything we can do. We're about to go down. Would you mind uh, taking you know, a little break from your slumber and helping us out? 
Don't you care if we drown? 1 John chapter 3 says this, We know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. He is omniscient. Jesus wakes. He knows exactly what to say to the seas, and they're calm. And He knows exactly what's going on in the heart of His disciples. And He reveals His power to them. And He says, where's your faith? You woke me to save you. I've woken to save you. Where is your faith? Jesus is powerful. People listen to him. We've seen that in the text so far. In fact, Jesus is making his way across the sea in order to go to another place where people are gathering to hear him speak. People listen to him. But not just people. Creation listens to him. Just imagine being on that boat. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up and says, Peace be still. And brings calm over the seas. It's actually meant to be a little bit of foreshadowing for the next words he's about to say. Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? There's a storm in your heart right now doubting if I am who I say I am. There's a storm in your heart right now that's saying, you're the one who told us to get on the boat and look at this. We're about to die. You're confused. You're angry. You're upset. Peace. Be still. Do you see that? Jesus is speaking right into the hearts of his disciples. He understands they're afraid. But he says, remember, I'm the one who says peace and be still to the waters. And I can bring this peace and this stillness even to your own heart. If what? If you will but believe. Where is your faith? Jesus has great power. And what Jesus reveals in this, which is so important, because oftentimes our view of God leaves this out, God is attentive to your soul. Jesus is attentive to his disciples and where, uh, what they are thinking and how they're processing. In verse 35, Jesus says, let's go across the other side. Let's get in the boat and go across the other side. Now, I don't know if there were storms on the horizon and the disciples were like, ah, you know, he'll blow those away or something. I don't know what happened. But it was Jesus' idea to get in the boat and to go over to the other side. How would you be feeling in the evening while Jesus is sleeping and the seas are about to take your boat down? You would begin to question who God is. And maybe you're experiencing that now. We're kind of in a storm ourselves. You would begin to wonder if God is who He says He is. You'd begin to perhaps wonder about God's actual motives and His actual power and His actual wisdom. The foreboding question that we all deal with as we head towards 2021 is what's next, right? Here's what's next. Jesus, the one who says, peace be still to the seas, is the same one who approaches our hearts this morning and says, look, I have power to calm the seas. If that's a big deal to you, I'll do it. I'll calm the seas. But here's the real question. Will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you believe that my grace is sufficient for you? We're all in the boat with Jesus. And there are storms. And Jesus says to us, where's your faith? And it's not a condemning question. You know, Jesus doesn't say this because he's frustrated and he's like, oh, I just can't wait to get off this boat. Where's your faith? He's saying, come on, where's your faith? I just calm the seas. Remember who I am. Understand this. Where's your faith? Some things to think about here. Storms are real. I'm not implying that we should sort of be happy, clappy Christians who pretend like life is not tough. Storms are real. The fear we have from storms is real. The fear we have from our current situation is real. There's lots of reasons to be anxious and afraid. But the thing we need to remember, in the midst of the storm, Jesus is right there in the boat with us. 
to calibrate this reality that though there is a real storm out there, there is a real God on board. Jesus himself says, peace be still. And where's your faith? Watch what I've done. See what I've done. Now I'm going to do it for you. Storms are real. Storms will challenge our hearts. It's part of what I love about this story so much. The disciples have seen Jesus heal a withered hand. They've seen him cast out demons from other people's friends. They've seen him heal the paralyzed friend of some other people. But what is this story about? This story is very personal for the disciples. This story is about Jesus actually being enough for them in the midst of their storm right here. They are keenly aware of their inability to save themselves. That's something that we all need to really consider. The disciples had no question they, did, they could not resolve this situation. So they did the one thing they could do, their last-ditch effort. What was it? Will you please wake up? Don't you care if we die? Jesus gets up and answers with himself. Their concerns became his concerns. Do you see that? Jesus was sound asleep. He didn't seem to be too afraid. They were afraid, and he answered their fear with himself, with his power with his attractive interest in them, with his attentiveness to their souls. Jesus answers and says, peace be still. Now, what about the storm in your heart? Storms are real. We're all going to experience them. We're experiencing, experiencing them now. Storms will challenge our hearts. But here's something important also to remember. Storms are always temporary. Even at their best moments, the power that is sort of wielded by the natural order in a storm has it is delicate and eventually it falls apart. The power that Jesus brings is able to sustain us, to last through the storms, to carry us in the midst of storms. And when we're afraid, that fear is focusing primarily on those circumstances, and that's understandable. We are finite. like We, under, we have limitations, so fear is real. But here's the thing. God's not actually encouraging us to live into the fear. He's encouraging us to live into faith. Faith is focusing on the heart, the character, the reality, the promises of God above everything else that's happening around us. In the midst of the storm to say, God, don't you care? And his answer is his son who is powerful, who is near us, who his message is attractive, who's, who wields that power on our behalf and who is attentive to our hearts. Jesus is in the storm with us. As you think about God, as you think about Jesus, as you sort of put yourself in the boat with Jesus in this moment, remember some of these things. God is gracious. Kyle read this, uh, read this uh, the week before last, Psalm 86. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. God is gracious, Psalm 86. Romans 11, God is all-knowing. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Look, if you find at times you don't understand what God's doing, that's because it's what God's doing. His ways are beyond tracing out. It shouldn't surprise us that at times we don't quite understand how God's going to work something out or what exactly he's going to do. It does benefit us greatly to remember that God is all-knowing. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. God is gracious. God is all-knowing. 
God is eternal. Psalm 89, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. God's wise. Proverbs 3, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in their places. Are you impressed with creation? That's just like one of God's handiworks. God brings comfort. 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. There it is again. That paradigm of love that God gives to us. We are meant to express love to others based on how much love we've received from God. We can't love people more than we think God loves us. We're not, we're not able to do that. We're not able to comfort people more than God has comforted us. God expects us to be the recipients first in this divine exchange of knowing God's love and seeing it in the world. It starts with us resting in it. You know, this week as you go about life, I wish I could tell you there will be no storms this week. There will be because life is that. We live in a broken world that has everything from minor inconveniences to incredibly great difficulties to process. Jesus will be with you in the storm. He's the God who brings comfort. He's the God who's all wise. He's the God who's eternal. He's the God who's all knowing. He's the God who is gracious. Storms bring fear and danger and trouble and angst. God brings wisdom and knowledge and grace and eternal power and mercy and presence and the knowledge of a God who is attentive to your soul right now this morning. The last thing God would want you to think as you leave this place today is that Jesus isn't very much aware of your condition and has the ability to speak even into your heart now and say, peace be still in the midst of a storm. That's the kind of God that we worship. Jesus comes and calms not just the physical storms, but the, the real storm in the hearts of his people. When we lean on fear, we're leaning into something that's going to betray us. When we lean into what Jesus is saying, we're leaning into something that will always be sure and true for us. To kind of continue with the boat analogy, to put your faith in Jesus is really to anchor yourself in something that's going to hold you. You know, consider this as we kind of wrap up our time together. Jesus is calling us to, in the midst of whatever we're going through, to ask ourselves the question, what would it look like for me to have faith in who Jesus is in this moment? The big question Jesus leaves with his disciples is, where is your faith? You know, part of where we find that um, as a community is here in this church. You're going to get a letter next week that tells you a little bit about where we are financially as a church. You may be tempted to think, the answer to this right now is to be greatly anxious and to fear. Jesus is saying in the midst of storms to do what? To call out to him and say, Lord, this is your mission. This is your church. We will, we will serve you and be about the mission of this church based on what you provide for us. That's the prayer of faith for you individually this week. I don't know what's ahead for you. What I know is that Jesus will be in it with you, whatever it is. That Christ is inviting you in the midst of the storms to consciously say, I'm going to lean not into panic, I'm going to lean into prayer. I'm going to lean into trusting that Jesus is actually enough in the midst of the storm. 
And as we celebrate communion, it's an opportunity for us to sort of do that as a people, to think together, okay, here we are, it's 2020, Thanksgiving's a week away, the news is having tons of things to say about what we might expect. Here's what Jesus wants us to do, to lean into knowing he's with us in the midst of the storm, that his grace is sufficient for us, that he is all wise, and that his plans for our church and for our people and for our world is not that the kingdom might go, go down quietly. Jesus is actively at work in your heart, even today, and through the life of our church. And when we celebrate communion, we're actually saying that's where our faith is. Our faith is in the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus, our resurrected Lord above all else. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning, um, we are so grateful for stories like this in the Gospels. Stories that are easy to understand in some ways because we can kind of put ourselves even in the experience of knowing what a storm is like, and stories where you are so clear and concise about the fact that your message for us is meant to draw us, that you are powerful for us, that you're attentive to the storms in our own hearts, that your grace is sufficient for us, even in the midst of storms. So Lord, as we go out this week, as we celebrate communion, as we remember your word, would you push us towards trust and faith in you above all else? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.